Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-host and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 104 of Sorta Awesome, and I'm joined this week by my always lovely co-host, Rebecca Hoffer of SimplyRebecca.com. We have such a fun episode for you today, a topic that was actually inspired by one of our awesomes in the Hangout community on Facebook. We are going to be talking all about game-changing discoveries. Those discoveries, both big and small, that we've come across that have totally changed our lives in all kinds of places, everywhere from the kitchen to the grocery store, and even in the bedroom. We're going to get to all of that in just a few minutes, but first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. Rebecca, what do you have for us this week? Well, hello, Megan. My Awesome of the Week is the book My Reality by Melissa Rycroft. I'm sure you have not heard of it. (laughs) I have not. I'm just going to tell you. That is because it is written by somebody who is a previous contestant on The Bachelor. (laughs) Aha, The Bachelor and my reality. Okay, I I get it. It's all coming together now. (laughs) Yes, Megan, it is from Melissa from The Bachelor. She was on season 13 with Jason Mesnick as The Bachelor. And I know, I know. I can, like, feel Laura rolling her eyes at this awesome of the week all the way from the West Coast. (laughs) So the Bachelor franchise is not for everyone. I understand that. I understand that. But this book is fascinating. It's a fascinating look at the the behind-the-scene dynamics of being on reality TV. It's a perfect, fun beach read for the summer. And, of course... Bachelor and Bachelorette fans are going to love it. I've read a few books by um, Bachelor alums, and this one was really good. So here's the whole preface of the book. Melissa went on the show. She talks about the whole process leading up to going on the show, what her experience was. And none of this is a spoiler because you can find this out in like two seconds, Googling her name. But she gets down to the final two. Jason is the bachelor. He picks Melissa. 
on After the Final Rose. They, we just watched them get engaged. Here we are now. They're live. And Jason is having a change of heart. And he <gasps> breaks up with her on After the Final Rose and says, what? Actually, I would really like a chance with Molly, who was number two. <laughs> That is truly the most dramatic thing I've ever heard out of reality TV. It really is. I mean, every time Chris Harrison says the most dramatic finale ever, right? no, no, no. Jason Mesnick had the most dramatic finale ever. Dumping yeah. Melissa on After the Final Rose and being like, hey, Molly, you want to give it a go? And she's like, hey, sure, let's do it. Spoiler alert, Jason and Molly end up getting married. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, and they're like still together. Like, this is like a legit thing, okay? They are still together. They have kids. <sighs> they got married. They did the whole shebang. It's fascinating. So, I mean, in talking about the Bachelor franchise as a whole, I mean, this story, it, I mean, it needed to be a book, right? I mean, hearing Melissa's perspective and the things that were happening on, happening behind the scenes, I mean, the, oh, I like, I can't even form words. I just, like, ate it up. I couldn't get enough of it. But then, even more fascinating than all of that stuff going on between Melissa and Jason, she has a long-term, on-again, off-again relationship with her boyfriend from home. His name is Ty. And what is happening between her and Ty before the show during the show and after the show is just as like nail biting, like, oh my word, what is happening with this relationship? It it's a fun read. I really think, even if you are not a Bachelor franchise fan, this it's it's a fun read. This is amazing. This actually sounds like the perfect summer read, truly. Like if you're just laying out by the pool and you want something a little bit trashy to <laughs> Oh yeah. Spend it's- your time reading. It's total fluff. I mean, you're not going to gain any intelligence points at all by reading this, but it's just an amazing <laughs> look into somebody's life. Like, this really happened to somebody. It's, yeah. I, I can't form words properly enough. I really loved the book. I just ate it up. It's really good. It's called My Reality by Melissa Rycroft. Okay, let me ask you this, too. Do they, does she like spill the beans on behind the scenes production stuff from the show? Or is it more focused on the relationship part of it? It's mostly relationship stuff. But she does talk, too, about things like, you know, gathering her wardrobe and what her expectations were. Did she think that she actually was going to fall in love? Did she actually fall in love? Looking back, how does she feel about it? It's not like... And then the producers told me to say this. It's not like that, but it definitely is a genuine peek behind the scenes of even like her mental psyche through it all. Okay. Well, I am not a fan of the Bachelor franchise. I can't believe it's been on as long as it has, but clearly there are many raving fans about it. But I have to tell you, I'm I'm a little intrigued by this book, Rebecca, because it does sound like perfect summer fluff, like escape from your own reality and dig into someone else's crazy town experience. Kind of crazy book. town for sure. And this is the perfect time to read it because we have some major things happening in the Bachelor Nation. We have the first black bachelorette 
we've never had a black bachelor. We've never had a black bachelorette. And here we have Rachel Lindsay rocking it real time right now. So if any of you are thinking, eh, this show, uh, maybe I should give it a try now, this season, this Monday, tune in. Now is the time to be giving the Bachelor franchise a try. And then Bachelor yeah. in Paradise is going to be coming this summer. I mean, come on. You need yeah. you need this book on your nightstand. You do. Everybody does. <laughs> well, maybe not everybody. But <laughs> I needed this book on my nightstand. <laughs> and there's so many people, though, who are, like, squeamish. You know, I don't understand why I'm not. I'm a bit of a feminist. I think that, you know... We are women and we should stand up for our rights and not be put into these dumb boxes and be pushed down by the man. But when it comes to the Bachelor franchise, like, I just don't care. I just love it too much to care about it on any serious level whatsoever. It's my guilty pleasure that I have zero guilt about. Well, you're in good company of lots of, I know lots of good, you know, like highbrow thinker and writers type women who also love The Bachelor. So there's something about it that really hits some notes for people. So thank you for that book, Rebecca. We'll put that information in the show notes if you wanted to check it out for yourself. Okay, well, mine, I'm going to take a little bit of a turn this week for my Awesome of the Week, um, a turn away from The Bachelor. My Awesome of the Week this week is the return of one of my very favorite podcasts ever, and that is NPR's Invisibilia. So I think I've mentioned Invisibilia a few times on Sort of Awesome. It truly is one of my very favorite shows that I've ever listened to. Um, They've just come out with season three. And so this season, it is hosted by Hannah Rosen and Elise Spiegel. Uh, Lulu Miller was one of the original hosts of Invisibilia. She is, however, on leave to write a book, which I'm very much looking forward to. So this season is Hannah and Elise. And what I have always loved about Invisibilia is that it's focused on the invisible forces that shape our lives. And there's just something, I don't know if it's because I'm an ENFP and I'm so fascinated by why people do the things that they do. I think about this so much and I feel like Invisibilia really combines real science, research-driven science, and people's stories. And they really explore why do people do the things that they do. So I really love that about Invisibilia, a great blend of science and real life stories. One of my favorite podcast episodes ever that I've ever listened to is from Invisibilia season one. It's an episode called Entanglement. Highly recommend if you've never listened. Last season, last summer, they came out with season two. It was fantastic. That season totally blew me away. There's one episode called The Problem with the Solution. It's a really candid, personal look at mental illness. And oh my gosh, it is so powerful and so moving. There was another one in season two called Flip the Script, which um, really examined how what a huge difference context makes in how people experience their environments. It's fantastic as well. So here we are. It's June and Invisibilia has really season or is beginning season three. There's two episodes of it out. And this whole entire season, Rebecca, I think you're going to love this. They are devoting this whole season to the topic of emotions. Oh, yeah. I'm a feeler. (laughs) You are a feeler. (laughs) You and I are like off the charts on our feeling preferences. So I think that you will really like this. And I, I think even for those of you who are thinkers out there, I think you'll really get something out of this too. Because what they're doing, what Hannah and Elise are doing this season 
is a really re-examining what emotions actually are and how our lives are impacted by them. So in the first episode, they even, they take this idea that um, we're, we're helpless victims of our emotions, which is something that our culture has kind of come to believe that our emotions just are a thing that happened to us. And whatever is happening in our lives because of our emotions, we're sort of powerless to control. And they look at some new research that really says that's actually not true. And even in the most grief stricken of circumstances, our brains are capable of shifting and providing a new context for these situations in ways that um, that are really surprising. So anyway, there's, we're just a few episodes in. I'm telling you already, though, Invisibilia Season 3 is a must listen, particularly if you are fascinated as I am by how and why our brains work and why we do the things we do. Now, I listened to Invisibilia season one and was obsessed with it. And then they went on quite a long break. And I don't know what happened, Megan, but I never picked it back up to listen to season two. And I felt like there wasn't as much buzz about season two as there had been about season one. So I didn't even know that here we are upon season three. I still have all of season two to listen to. So this is a good encouragement to me, though, because I feel like that that happens sometimes, right? Like you are really into a podcast, they go on break, and then you just kind of forget about it and you lose steam. So this is a good reminder for me that they are still producing quality, amazing content that I should be checking out. So I'm glad I didn't unsubscribe. It's waiting for me there in my podcast app. I just haven't clicked play yet. Definitely do because I think that like you said, they they take really long breaks. In fact, it's it's usually about a year in between seasons. And I think it's because they're reporting and the research they're working through, all of it. It's I mean, it's super in-depth stuff. I think that when you listen, especially if you listen to season two, you'll understand because they go all over the globe to um investigate and report on stories. So it takes a while to put that kind of material together. But I think that they must be on a release every summer schedule now. So you have some good stuff waiting in your app. I'm excited for you. I'm excited now, too. Thank you for that reminder. Okay. Well, friends, we are headed into the summer season. And it's a good time to slow down and just sort of check in with yourself. Kind of take a minute to take stock of your healthiness levels in all areas of your life. We often talk about how very important it is to take a little bit better care of ourselves, and taking care of our mental health is no exception. That's why today's sponsor, Talkspace, the online therapy company, makes it so easy to connect with an experienced, licensed therapist, handpicked just for you, for as little as $32 a week. Using Talkspace, you can send your therapist text messages, audio and video messages whenever you want. You can even do a live video chat. What I love about Talkspace is how easy this format makes it to talk to a licensed therapist. With Talkspace Online Therapy, anyone can get therapy without traveling to an office, and the cost is significantly less than traditional therapy. Talkspace is a perfect fit for all kinds of people, especially women who are busy juggling everyone's schedules. So if you want to vent about work or family issues, maybe in-law issues, or just talk through something that's been on your mind, no problem. Your therapist is ready to help. To sign up to learn more, go to Talkspace.com awesome. And as a special offer for our awesome community, 
You can use promo code awesome to get $30 off of your first month and show your support for Sorta Awesome. That's promo code awesome at Talkspace.com slash awesome. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. And as always, all of this information is available for you in today's show notes. Well, like I said at the top of the show, today's topic actually was inspired by a discussion in our Hangout group on Facebook, kind of back at the beginning of the year. Isn't that right, Rebecca? Yeah, the thread was published way back in January. Yeah, it was started by Val, who is a very active and very awesome member of our Facebook community. And she asked for people to share what are some of the life changing discoveries that you have come across in your life. Something could be a product that you found, a practice that you found, things that you have discovered that really and truly have changed your life. And Rebecca and I thought that was such a fun topic idea. And so we have been kicking around some things that have we've discovered that we've come across that have changed our lives. And so we have a list we're going to share with you. And I can't wait to hear from you awesomes the discoveries you've come across. So Rebecca, why don't you kick us off with the first one on your list? My first discovery was how to make the perfect dippy egg. <laughs> is is that what you call those kinds of nope, eggs in I, your house? <laughs> I have not. literally no idea what a dippy egg is. The only thing I can imagine is dipping Easter eggs into dye. But I feel like this is not what a dippy egg is. No, that's not a dippy egg. <laughs> I think it's a sunny side up egg. And oh, like, yes. Like a fried egg that you can dip your toast uh-huh. into the yolk and you break it and the yolk oh. spills out everywhere. And you dip your toast, dippy, dippy eggs. Uh, Are you with me? Okay, <laughs> now I'm tracking with you. Yes, I'd never heard that them called that, but I have enjoyed many fried eggs or sunny side up eggs in my life. So let's hear this. I feel like dippy egg might be one of those phrases that my mom taught me growing up that I thought was like a real thing that like everybody said and then I'm learning that (laughs) no that was just my mom (laughs) okay got it so anyway I have discovered or my mom has finally taught me a few years ago how to perfect the perfect dippy egg which I'm going to continue to call it dippy egg even though that's probably going to drive everybody crazy that's just what that's what it is so I just need to move forward with that (laughs) Okay. okay so the key is to perfectly steam the top of the egg. So the steps are you prepare your pan like normal, however you want to do, oil, butter, whatever, and then add a little bit of water into the pan along with the cracked eggs. Cover it with a lid. A glass lid is best so you can actually see through to the egg, but any lid will work. And then you want to remove the egg from the heat as soon as that yolk goes from this bright yellow to a more muted, slight white color on top. And you can, if you have a clear lid, you can actually see it slowly cooking that very top of the egg. And it is perfect every single time. Yeah. You know what? That's it. Actually, <laughs> I am. I feel so affirmed in my kitchen skills right now because that's exactly how I make fried eggs. So I feel like I have Rebecca's mom's seal of approval on my egg making technique. <laughs> well, and maybe that's how everybody makes eggs and they're listening and the awesomes are like, uh, yeah, Rebecca. But I know some people flip them, right? Like you just flip it oh, just sure. for like a little bit. Sure. Yes. Yes. I, now, see, I don't know. That's how my mother-in-law does it. And my parents didn't do anything at all to kind of get that, like you were talking about, that good seal over the top of the egg. I really thought I discovered... <laughs> The glass, the glass um, pan topper on top technique myself. 
But as it turns out, this is this is common wisdom, I guess. Maybe. Well, I have to hear like- from the awesomes how they make their dippy eggs because to me this yes. was revolutionary. Like I. I literally never made dippy eggs for my kids because I'm like, I don't really get it. I don't know how to do it. How do you keep it from being like gross and yuck on top and not cooked all the way? And my mom's like, oh, girl, here, let's let's teach you. This is not that hard. So anyway, that is my first awesome discovery is how to perfectly steam the top of my dippy eggs. What do you have for me? Well. Okay, so the the first one on my list may also be common knowledge, but it is a very recent discovery for me, and it is completely changing my guacamole eating life, (laughs) because it is how best to ripen your unripe avocados. Do you feel like this is common knowledge? Do you eat avocados in Pennsylvania, Rebecca? (laughs) I'm a what? No, yes, (laughs) avocados are something that happen here. I do not have much experience with them, so I don't even know how to tell when you're getting one from the store if it's ripe or if it's not ripe. I just, like, cut into it and hope it's not brown. So I need some education on this. I feel I have so many big feelings about avocados because I love guacamole. Now, the guacamole that I prepare is a very stripped-down, minimalist version. Some people might not even call it guacamole. It's so minimalist because when I make guacamole, it is perfectly ripe avocado, sea salt, lime juice, smash it all together, and that's it. It's really more technically smashed avocado than it is. (laughs) More than it is guacamole. I don't add salsa. I certainly don't add cilantro. I wouldn't ruin perfectly good avocados with cilantro. So... That is my favorite thing to eat from spring through definitely through summer and on into the fall when you can get avocados for a reasonable price at the grocery store. But the thing about avocados is they are picked unripe and then allowed to sort of just like ripen through the um, transport process as they get to grocery stores, whatever. Um, so that can cause a problem because then what you're left with is when you're at the grocery store, you can either usually buy like totally green, not ripe at all avocados, or some grocery stores, like in our area, some grocery stores will have um, black avocados, which are avocados which are perfectly ripe and you can just pick them up and use them right then. So if you can find black avocados in the store, that's great. If you can find ones that are not all bruised and people haven't mushed from squeezing them to see if they're ripe yet. Um, but if you're picking up a bag of unripe avocados, for me, I mean, I have waited a literal actual week with avocados sitting in my kitchen windowsill, just me waiting and waiting and watching them, staring at them, obsessing over them until they are ripe and ready to eat until... I found this little trick, you guys. I feel like I'm spending a lot of minutes talking about avocados this week. (laughs) Well, I'm a little bit fascinated because I didn't even know that green avocados were a thing. I didn't know... I I, See, I'm I'm very uneducated about all of this, so... so keep so on happy. talking. <laughs> I'm so happy to educate you about all things avocado today. Um, here's the trick to ripening your avocados more quickly. You take your avocados that you went to ripen, you put them in a plain brown bag, like a brown lunch sack, works perfectly. Put them in there with a banana or an apple would work too. I've done this with an apple, but we almost always have bananas sitting on the counter. 
You stick a banana down in there with your avocados, seal up the bag, let them sit, check on them every now and again, because everybody knows the thing about avocados is they go from like super, super unripe to, okay, now's the perfect moment to eat them to completely brown and inedible in like a matter of minutes, sometimes it seems like. So, you know, take a peek in the bag, you know, once a day or something to see if they're ripening. But this shortens the ripening time so much. And then you can cut them open make guacamole. You can slice them up to go with your turkey sandwich at lunch. You can do what all kinds of things with avocados, all kinds of things. I mean, just ask Pinterest because the avocado recipes abound on Pinterest. And there you go. You have ripe and ready avocados thanks to a paper bag. Such a simple hack. That and really the, the lid for the egg. Like, don't you just kind of wonder how many simple hacks are still ahead of us in our years? Like things that we should have known yes. for decades that we're just clueless about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my word. Because heaven knows, I'm probably clueless about a lot. <laughs> I, I was certainly clueless about my next item. Okay, let's hear it. I had no idea that I have curly hair. Now... Megan, hmm. we have not met in person, but, you know, we Skype over video here. Have you seen my head? Are you aware of the fact that I have pretty significant curl growing out of my you, head? <laughs> you have a mane, an actual mane of gorgeous, naturally curly hair. So I'm completely flummoxed as to how you didn't know that you have curly hair. <laughs> well, honestly, I am too. I did not discover that I had curly hair until I was a junior in college, and I was studying in Central America. I talked about that a little bit on our 100th episode, and I did not have access to a hair dryer. I was doing a lot of air drying of my hair, and I was like, you know what? There's like a little bit of something happening here as I'm air drying my hair. And then from then, I started to embrace it more, and I was like, oh my word. My hair is curly. I, mean, I really had no idea. I think that part of the delay in me discovering the curl of my hair is that I am very much a night owl. So I was always taking my showers at night because anything that gave me extra moments to sleep in the morning, I was embracing. So I would take my shower at night and then I would pull my hair all up into a bun on top of my head and sleep with it that way, pull it down in the morning and it was damp enough that I could still you know, blow dry it with a hair dryer, and it like I just like straightened it all out, and I just had no, I just had no idea that there was something else happening on my head. So right. now I have this curl on my head, and I honestly I'm still just discovering how to manage and maintain all that. I really am overwhelmed by the whole process. I don't go to somebody who I think is really good at cutting curly hair. I think she just kind of ah. Uh. I don't know. I don't think I don't. I think there's a lot that I'm doing wrong with my curly hair. So awesomes with curly hair that can help me out. I'd love to hear it. I, I hate the idea of spending a lot of money on a lot of different products to experiment because it just makes me cringe, like all the testing and money spending and all that stuff. Right now, I'm using herbal essence mousse and a whole lot of it, like like a mound of it in my hair, uh, much more than you would think that you need to use. And then I just kind of scrunch it all up, let it air dry. I never brush it. The only time I ever run my fingers through it is when I'm in the shower to kind of like detangle it with my shampoo and conditioner. And then I just let it go and let it do its own thing. And yeah. voila, there is curl on my head that I did not know about a few decades ago. 
I bet that the awesomes are going to show up with all kinds of advice for you because having curly hair, like the care and keeping of curly hair is almost a cult in terms of people being really fanatical about it and having products that they really, really, really swear by. So I bet people are going to show up with all kinds of recommendations for you, Rebecca. Yes, I need the help. So bring it, please bring it. All right. The second one on my list of life-changing discoveries, something that has been a complete game changer for me, is when online grocery store ordering and pickup became a reality in our community and in my life. So I've talked about this. In fact, this was my awesome of the week a while back. I can't remember when it was. But I can't even tell you, Rebecca, I feel like I've gotten a whole day of my life back now that I can go online. I personally use Walmart because we have a Walmart very close by and they have a very simple ordering process. They have a great app. Believe it or not, Walmart has a really great grocery app um, that you can also use for ordering. Their site is easy to navigate, super user-friendly. The pickup is so easy. On the app, I just check in when I'm on my way. I pull up in the special parking place. They bring it out. They load it in my car. So I've been doing that with Walmart, but I know lots of other like local grocery stores are starting to do it. Um, Other chains are doing it. I've even started doing online order and pickup for Sam's. We don't have Costco here in Oklahoma City, but we do have Sam's Club. So I go on Sam's online, make my order, pull up there in their pickup area. Again, they bring it right out and load it into my van. Truly, this has given me nearly a day back and I don't have to drag my kids through this store. I am only buying things that are on my grocery list. So I'm actually saving not only time, but also money because I'm not taking my kids in. They're not begging for treats at the checkout and all of the things. It really has changed my life is what I'm saying to you. I need this in my life. Why Why am I not doing this? I have heard you talk about know. it. I've heard other people talk about it. There is something broken in my brain that I have not tried this yet. Okay, I have a couple questions. Number one, okay. is there an extra fee for this? That you have to pay extra. I cannot speak for all grocery stores. For Walmart and Sam's, it's totally free. That is ridiculous. Why am I not doing this? Okay, number two, (laughs) how do you pay for it? Do you pay for it on the Uh app or do you pay when you pick up the groceries? At Walmart, you have to pay uh, online or you can do it through the app. I do it um, through a web browser. I just pay with my debit card online. Sam's has a choice. You can either pay when you check out your online order or when you get to the club, you can go in and pay if you want to. I don't see the need to do that. So I just pay online with them as well. And how do you schedule when you're going to go? Do, like, do you place mm. the order and say, hey, I'm going to come like in 30 minutes or I'm going to come like in three days? Like how much time do they need? My routine is I go online on Sunday night. I put in my order. I click. Each of those stores has a place where you just schedule your pickup. They will give you the available time slots and you pick from those available time slots. So theoretically, I could go on Sunday night and say, I'm going to pick this up on Thursday. I That's not how my life works. (laughs) So I put it in on Sunday night. I pick Monday morning at eight o'clock for both places. And so during the school year, I mean, I'm still doing this in the summer because I like the routine. But during the school year, I would just go drop my girls off at school, head over to Walmart, pick up my groceries there, head to Sam's, pick up groceries, bring it home. I would be home with my week's groceries by 830 in the morning on a Monday. Why am I not doing this? (laughs) I don't know. What is the holdup? It's not that hard. I promise. Listen, if I can do it, anyone can do it. 
And a lot of the stores are making it so user-friendly to do it because it probably saves some time on their end as well. I don't know. I don't know why or how they're making it so easy. I'm just telling you, it's so easy. Okay, how much time does it take for you to place your order? Like, is that a tedious process? It seems like I could, like, spend, like, I don't know, three hours trying to figure out how to order my Oh, gosh. No, no. It takes maybe 30 minutes. I just get my meal plan out for the week, pull that up, look, and see. Now... I also have a a running list that I can keep and I can keep things in my cart. Like if we run out of salt or whatever, I'll add it to the cart. I'll just pull up my weekly meal plan and look and see what ingredients I need. I just look them up. If I know, because I've been shopping at those two stores for so long, I know if I need to get, for example, grapes from Sam's or if I'm going to get them from Walmart. I go and just, you know, I put them, I just, you just search, you add them to your cart. It takes less than 30 minutes for me. I've been doing this for several months now, so I really have my routines. Both Sam's and Walmart also let you look at your frequently ordered stuff. So I hate myself so much right now. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, with a new baby, you really need to do this. I have thought that so many times. Oh my gosh, I wish I had this when the twins were infants and going anywhere was such an ordeal because... It would have been so much easier, but it's it's really, truly fantastic. Well, yes, and next year, my son is going to be in half-day kindergarten, and I am responsible for pickup and drop-off for the children. I'm going to be at that elementary school three times a day next year. Ooh. I need this in my life. You do. You do. Okay. You have to do it. You have I'm to like do it. I'm like so disgusted with myself. We need to move on. This is like, I'm, <laughs> ugh, seriously. I hope I've convinced you. I'm such a bizarre evangelist for online grocery pickup. It really has changed my life. That's the last I'll say about it. Let's hear the third thing on your list. Ah, Okay. The third thing on my list is that something is better than nothing. This is a broad concept. It applies to a lot of things in my life. I am an ESFP in the Myers-Briggs personality type. I tend to get hung up on trying to figure out the best way to do things. I research all of the possibilities, and then I get frozen in a state of perfectionism, which is kind of strange because I'm not a strong perfectionist, but then I do have these tendencies that kind of sneak up on me from time to time. So I find myself like spinning out and like going through the cycle of, well, if I'm going to paint the bedroom i should really research what colors are good for like moods and what will make the room like look bigger i don't want to end up not sleeping well because of color therapy things and i don't want the room to feel claustrophobic and then what kind of paint should i get i'm not like one to just go to the paint store and be like oh this color is pretty I'll pick this one. No, I spin out and I go crazy. So this comes up for me the most on a daily basis when it comes to cleaning. So in my broken brain, I will think to myself, I'm not going to clean the bathroom because I don't feel like doing all of the steps of the mirror, the sink, the toilet. When if I just went in and cleaned just the toilet, that would be that one thing would make the bathroom better than if I did nothing. But I hold myself sure. up because I think, oh, well, if I can't do it all, it's not really worth the effort. No, mm-hmm. something is better than nothing. It's worth the effort. Mm-hmm. 
right? So I created a workbook. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I I did this challenge for myself to just clean one thing every single day for a month. Like just, it's called the just clean something challenge because for goodness sakes, Rebecca, just clean something. It doesn't have to be, you know, ceiling to floor, you know, scrubbing everything perfect. Just clean something. So if that type of challenge sounds appealing to you, which makes me want to break out in hives. It's awful. <laughs> but if that sounds appealing to you, you everybody who signs up for my blog's newsletter can get that workbook for free. Just go to simplyrebecca.com, click on the connect with me um, tab, and you can find all the information there to sign up. But, you know, this applies to other areas of my life, like diet. You know, it's better to eat a salad and a piece of cake than french fries and a piece of cake, right? <laughs> it's better to just walk around the block instead of thinking, well, I can't run a mile and then, you know, just sitting on the couch. Right. Photo organization. It is better for me to use an app like Chatbooks to print out just the highlights of my life than never finding the time to complete that perfect, detailed, all the pictures for all the things, perfect scrapbook. Right? Yes. Something Uh, is better than nothing. And I battle this all the time. I'm learning it. But it it's a daily struggle for me that I'm trying to plow through. Oh, my gosh. Just now when you said photo storage, I had that wave come over me of I hate myself right now because I'm so bad at photo storage. I did at least I have taken the first step. I've put chat books on my phone. So I feel like I'm taking a step forward. But my photo organization is abhorrent. It's terrible. And every time I think about it, I feel so awful. But it's the same thing, Rebecca. I feel like since I haven't been perfectly organizing them from the beginning, now right. it's too late. And now they're just a mess everywhere. So, right. Yeah. It, yes. Photo organizing is the perfect place to see this play out. And I think in a lot of people's lives that they're like, no, I, I need to figure out the absolute best place to order these perfect photo books from. And I need to figure out how I'm going to do it for all of my kids. And then when all of my kids move out of the house, then what am I going to do with these books? Do I need to have a book for each kid? I mean, I just like, ah, I, and then you're not doing anything. You're doing nothing yes. because you can't mm. move past trying to find the best way to do it. That is a huge struggle for me. So just trying to remind myself that something is better than nothing is it's been it's been really beneficial for me and i would say it's beneficial for my husband too who prefers a cleaner house <laughs> he's like oh did you just clean something today yes yes i did <laughs> <laughs> i like that all right well the next one on my list was it has been it's an ongoing game changer for me. And that is discovering the awesomeness of creating kid-free zones within my home and within my day. This has been particularly helpful to have certain times of the day in certain spaces in my house that the kids are not allowed. It's really helped me as a person who is a highly sensitive person. So on Dr. Elaine Aaron's quiz or her test of whether or not you're highly sensitive, I think there's like 27 indicators and I scored like a 22. I mean, I'm like way high on that. Having four kids is often overwhelming and overstimulating. So once I discovered how helpful this was, I was like, why did I not start doing this much, much sooner in my life? And I'll just give you a couple of examples of how kid-free zones work in our family life. The first one was something that Kyle and I really had to 
struggle through and navigate when he left his job working downtown in a corporate investment firm and started his own small business and now works out of our house. He works out of our house. I work out of our house. We had to figure out how are we going to be both at home all day, but not interrupting each other in what we have going on all day. So what we kind of accidentally stumbled upon was what we call, we call it the three o'clock porch date. It's not actually at three o'clock. It's when, it's usually about 3.15. Um, and again, this is super specific to us because of the flexibility within our schedules. But what we do is after I get the kids home, I get them set up with a snack. The twins can sit down and, and kind of watch a movie when they're done with their snack. AJ usually gets started right on her homework and... So they're doing their thing and Kyle and I will either sit on our front porch or our back deck and just sit and like debrief and download all of the stuff from the day. So if he is working on, you know, solving a specific problem, he's a very big external processor. So we'll sit down and he'll just kind of unload all of the things he's been processing through. I'll tell him all the, you know, things going on with the podcast or even just the minutia of kid stuff, things that we have going on. It's our time to really sit and connect. And sometimes it'll be, I don't know, 30 minutes. Sometimes it'll be an hour that we're just sitting and it's just us. And again, having big kids who help mind the younger kids is such a wonderful place to be in life. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. <laughs> Finally, we have arrived in this space and it's wonderful, but this is really great for us, especially because we're not big date night people. We never have been. We're both pretty big homebodies, but this allows us to have a specific time to connect and the kids are not constantly interrupting during that time. So that's a time in my schedule that is kid-free. The space in our home that I have, that we really have together have made really intentionally kid-free is our bedroom. Now, I used to feel really philosophically conflicted about this, Rebecca, because you know, and, and lots of people who've known and read my work for years know that I'm a pretty big proponent of attachment parenting. So when we had babies, they were in our bed. Even the twins were in bed with us. Um, we were very connected in those early months of infancy with our babies. And so it feels weird for me to be like, okay, now you're older. Now you can never come in here again. <laughs> <laughs> But it has been, made a huge difference to know that like, this is my place where I can, if I want to put something that I know is not going to get wrecked by a kid, when you have two little boys roaming the house at all times, then things get wrecked. They totally do. Um, you know, I, I know I can put it in my room and the kids know not to come in here. I can, I can know that our bedding isn't going to get spilled on or crumbs in our bed. Um, it's just been really a strange mental relief to know that this is like my sort of sanctuary in the house where kids are not going to interrupt. Now, this was also hard for me because when I was little, whenever I would get sick, if I was sick at night, my parents always let us come and sleep in their bed when we were sick. And I'm always like, oh, I, I missed that. That was such a such a um, deep connection and nurturing time. And so as an alternative gross. to the... <laughs> I, I know. Some people are like, why would you want a sick person with germs in your bed? That's exactly how my husband feels. <laughs> He's like, get away from me. No, no you cannot sleep with in us. the bed, please. <laughs> So as an alternative to that, when the kids are up at night sick or they've had a nightmare or whatever, I just go to them and I'll just sleep with them in their bed or get them back to sleep in their bed. So so now how old were the boys when you started this policy in your home? 
I mean, I had them fully moved out of our room altogether by the time they were one. They had been sleeping. I, cre- I made a little like Montessori style floor bed for them in our room from probably the time they're about mm, six months old to about a year. And then when they were a year old, we, we kicked them out and restored the sanctity of our bedroom. <laughs> so it's made a really big difference. Again, it's just a mental thing that, but just to know that this is a place I can kind of escape to um, where no kiddo interruptions will find me has been very good. No, I would say it's not just a mental thing. It, it's a physical, it's a practical thing. I have walked in on my jewelry box, like spilled out on my floor and about lost my mind. Like there is something about having chaos created out of your own stuff that is particularly infuriating more so than like, oh, a bunch of blocks or Legos are on the floor. Like that's different. But when it's like, clothes off your hangers in your closet there's just something about that that's just not okay so this is this is great i can see how a lot of parents can cling on to this concept (laughs) yeah yeah if they don't think i'm a terrible monster for (laughs) saying no kids allowed in the bedroom (laughs) oh okay we're getting towards the end of our list rebecca what's what's the fourth thing on your uh life-changing discovery list so I'm a frugal gal, right? And I mm-hmm. have, I mean, we know this. You, everybody knows this. I, I hate spending money. So the concept of hiring somebody to do a job that I could do myself has always felt um, almost unresponsible. Like, why mm, Why would mm-hmm. you do that? Like, why would you spend money paying somebody to do something that you yourself can do? That's just not good stewardship of your finances. I mean, and there's even that whole big saying that philosophy um give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime so you should be even acquiring new skills to like help you throughout life well how about pay a man to fish so you can embrace your other strengths like let's let's change it to that right yes so i have discovered that when I hire an expert to do work for me, it frees me up to do the things that I'm an expert in. So maybe that is me working on the podcast or working on my blog. Maybe that's just me being my kid's mom and my husband's wife because nobody else <laughs> can fill in and take that role. So I'm, and also <laughs> that perfectionist side of me that gets all hung up on the details, I can really spin out and spend a ton of time doing the research, looking at all the possibilities, when if I just went with somebody else doing it, they do it smarter, they do it faster, and they do it better than I could do it if I was putting in all of the back time of all the research. So a real-life example of this is we have um, a friend who was trying to make some money on the side, a little side job of doing some landscaping work. Now, without this turning into a long, boring story, I will just tell you that we have a huge flower bed that has been the thorn in my side ever since we moved into this house. <laughs> yes. Dun, 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 dun. Yep, <laughs> so we you have did it. <laughs> <laughs> So we have inherited a lot of ground covering plants that spread that are actually really kind of ugly. There's a lot of weeds. It has been I I I can't say enough of how much of a pain in the neck this flower bed has been. When our friend was looking for some like landscaping work, my husband and I hired him to spend a day here literally 
pulling weeds. He pulled weeds.、Mm-hmm. He laid down one of those、um, landscaping fabrics that creates a weed barrier, and he put mulch on top. Do you know how long it would have taken me to research? Okay, where do I get this landscape material? How do I、uh, install it? And then the process of actually physically putting it in, pulling all the weeds. He was here for a day. I got to do the things that I do best: being a mom to my kids and working on my side business. And I didn't have to think about it. And now all I have to do is maintain it. And I am telling you, it is some of the best money I have ever spent. Yeah, I could yeah. have done this myself, but it would have taken me hours. It not just hours. It would have taken Nate and I days. To accomplish what he accomplished in one day here,、yeah. I, I need to do、yes. this more in my life, and I will encourage people who think about this in terms of hiring a housekeeper, a cleaner for their home.、Mm-hmm. This the prime example of that. If you didn't have to spend your hours cleaning your home, what else could you be doing that would be better? Now, I mean, obviously, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money, so you can't like make money out of nothing. But if you can at all afford it, let go of that guilt and just do it. I like that. I agree so much. I think that there is so much guilt, but I think when you work through it, so much reward to have that time back to do what's in your brilliant zone. So I like that a lot. Okay. Well, the the fourth and last one on my list is something that I've talked about quite a bit, and it obviously, of course, not going to be a surprise to anyone that has to do with personality stuff. But I really cannot say enough how much of a game changer discovering the Enneagram system has been in my life. Now, I've had Lee Kramer come on; she's a friend and、um, and a true expert in Enneagram in the, in the Enneagram system. We've talked about it on the show. I just, I really cannot emphasize enough why the Enneagram system specifically has made such a change for me. I know the Myers Briggs system really well. It helps me understand、um, really important parts of my personality and and why I do the things I do. The Enneagram system has given me such a stable path for growth. And for understanding how and why I respond to some of my deepest fears, so I'm an Enneagram Type Nine, or the Peacemaker Type, or some people call it the Peace Seeking Type. That's what we do. We're driven to seek out peace, <laughs> sometimes in healthy ways, and sometimes in unhealthy ways. And an unhealthy way that we seek peace is by avoiding conflict. I've known that my whole life. I always knew that I had a very, very, very high intolerance to conflict. I didn't think it was personality connected quite so much. I honestly really thought that everybody hates conflict as much as I do, but some people were more brave about it than I am. I did not know how deeply rooted in my Enneagram type this avoidance of conflict is, and so here's an example of how it has really helped me to know and understand myself through the Enneagram. When I am feeling sick to my stomach about having any kind of conversation, and it doesn't have to be what would. Be considered a true conflict. I might just have to tell somebody something that's going to be disappointing to them, or not the news they were hoping to hear, and I can just make myself sick about it. Well, one of the key motivations that the Enneagram examines is how we are motivated by fear. And Type Nine's biggest fear is the fear of being abandoned or cut off. And so,、mm. knowing that has helped me to realize, okay. That makes so much sense for why I feel so sick about not just conflict, but about like disappointing people. Is I am deeply motivated by this fear that 
the person that I'm, you know, have to have a conflict with or have to have a difficult conversation with is going to cut me out of their life. And so if I can then use some good, healthy self-talk to talk through that and be like, okay, they may be disappointed. They may not like or be happy or thrilled about this decision or whatever the the case may be, Um, but they're probably not going to cut me out of their life. And then even if they did, this is what life would realistically look like after that. And it really helps me to sort of self-talk and navigate through fears that are like 99% unreasonable fears. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any fears like that. <laughs> no, no, I do. I can really see how this would be beneficial. You've been talking to me about Enneagram for quite a while, but I have not taken the leap to figure out what my type is. But I have kind of realized through some of your talk that I can see where I tend to I always use this phrase, and I've said it a lot here today, spiral out into mm-hmm. this negative way of thinking. And I am trying hard to recognize, okay, Rebecca, this is you spiraling. You need to pull mm-hmm. back. And from right. what I understand of what you've been telling me about Enneagram, it really helps guide you more through that process of stop. Yes. What is happening here? Let's reassess and let's shift your focus this way. Yes, that is so true. And one of the biggest helps along the way is within Enneagram, there is um, in one of the Enneagram books, and I'll, I don't have the title in front of me, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Um, but it talks about the healing attitudes for each of the types. So in this, in this Enneagram wisdom, it's talking about how each type needs to hear some healing wisdom. So for type nine, the healing statements are like, maybe I can make a difference. Maybe I need to get energized and get involved. Type nines are very sort of infamous for our ability to have very low energy and just be like, Ugh, it doesn't matter if I do this thing or not. Nobody's going to care. Nobody cares if I show up or not. And so the healing attitudes can really speak to that. Um, so another, So another example, type five, which is what my husband is, his healing types are, maybe I can trust people and let them know what I need. Maybe my future will be okay. Type fives tend to really have a hard time trusting that other people will do as good of a job as they can do (laughs) in things. And they have a really hard time not sort of obsessing about the future and and some of the, um, they they really like to see how they could, through their wisdom and insight and research, control the future. And so a good healing attitude for type five is that, you know what, maybe it's going to be okay. Um, our other co-host Kelly is a type seven healing attitudes for sevens. They're the enthusiasts. They love to be hospitable, to host, to party, to have fun in life. And so one of their healing attitudes is maybe there's nowhere else I need to be right now. Maybe I'm not missing out on anything worthwhile. Mm. So, (laughs) yes. So anyway, those healing attitudes have been super helpful because like you said, Rebecca, all of us have our own ways of spinning out and worrying about things. And it's been really super helpful. So Rebecca and I both have additional things that have been 
life-changing discoveries for us. We're going to share those with our Patreon supporters this month. If you have not signed up to be a Patreon supporter, I wanted to remind you that Sorta Awesome is sponsored in part by our Patreon supporters. And it's super simple to sign up. You can go to patreon.com slash Sorta Awesome and find out more information there. But for $5 a month, you can support the work that Sorta Awesome is doing in the world. And we send out little bonus goodies that are exclusively available for our Patreon supporters. And this month, you get to hear what else Rebecca and I have discovered that is making a significant difference in our lives. So again, that's patreon.com slash sort of awesome. All right, Rebecca, everything from dippy eggs to curly hair to grocery pickup, there's been a lot that I know people are going to want to talk to us about this week. So where can we find you all around the web? Well, you can find me on my blog at simplyrebecca.com. And then you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at simplyrebecca. Okay. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. We're on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at sortaawesomeshow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at progermusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.